Listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from New York City. Greetings from a rainy Brooklyn. It's nice and wet here in Red Hook. I just rode uh, my motorcycle for about three hours from upstate where I went to uh, take a little breather. And I came down here. Um, I was celebrating my anniversary with Brigitte, and we hung out with her family. And I hopped on the bike and came down here. We got drenched in rain. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it's, it's absolutely beautiful up there. I finally went to the, the town of Woodstock. And if everyone, I think probably everyone, every music fan has an understanding of what Woodstock means to the like, annals of music history. It's where um, in the 60s they had that massive three-day concert. Uh, really fascinating Woodstock's actually fairly affluent. I didn't really realize that. It was certainly well put together. It looked gorgeous. Um, the houses were sort of like a... Kind of had like shingles, sort of like a Hamptons sort of look to them. But there was, I can imagine, some pretty beautiful pumpkin patches in fall. Very tall foliage. I noticed more pines there than I see in the Catskill Mountains. Really pretty. The downtown, it's so funny, man. I'm from Santa Cruz, California. And Woodstock has something similar where there's like echoes of like the, the hippie past. So there's some like tie-dyes and there's peace symbols and like the two fingers peace sign. And and it's like, oh, it's such a weird thing that there was actually a movement with uh, in the late 60s, an anti-war movement and like a free love movement. And it was a, revolving around this administration and... Um, Kennedy had been killed, and they're trying to end the war, and people are really like really pushing, you know, anti-war and peace and so on. And it's so funny how that gets sort of handed down through the marketplace of like low-budget uh, merchants to sell it on like banners in tie-dye form, like fifty years later. It's just, like, it's just weird. It, it used to be that way in San Francisco too. Um, it had this sort of overtones of hippiness or hemp or ganja or 420 or whatever the terms were. And it had this sort of like the hippie, that kind of like tired old hippie aesthetic is so unimaginative. I'm not sure. I don't think, I think peace is definitely imaginative, but yeah, man, some of that stuff is like, good God. Uh, I don't want to be painted with that brush. When people, when I tell people I'm from Santa Cruz, they're like, ooh, hey, man, wow, far out. And I'm like, wow, there's actually a good university there. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, but yeah, I, I noticed Woodstock has a similar thing, and I'm sure that there's very like studious, hardworking people that um, work down in New York City or have worked in New York City and moved up there. And I'm sure that's a weird rub. As, as a matter of fact, Brigitte's family's actually told me that it is. There's definitely an old right-wing, um, an old guard up upstate. And Woodstock in and of itself is actually a progressive um, left 
lefty type place, a lefty left leaning place. So there is frictions, man. Um, Bridget was talking to me a little bit about some of her teachers. She had some gay teachers and that she said they were quote unquote tortured. And um, there's something about like agriculture, agricultural upstate New York that what, why is it like that? Why is it, why is it the places are very rural and agricultural? Um, they get very guarded. I wonder why that is. So yeah, I made it through Woodstock. I made it down the down the hill from the mountains into New York City pretty easily. Traffic was nice. Um, always interesting to see the Intrepid. I guess it's sort of like the Air Force Museum in Manhattan on the west side. Went down the west side highway. I saw that. I saw Trump Tower. Creepy. Uh, kept going down. And uh, then you see the, 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 the Trade Center. One, you know the One World Trade or whatever they call it, Freedom Tower or whatever. And it's funny, it never really goes away. I think about the the Twin Towers every time I look at the skyline. And um, not the rosiest of subjects, but that PTSD is very real, man. I, I know a lot of New Yorkers. I was, I was there and I, I saw those things fall, those buildings fall. And when I see planes flying a little too low for my comfort level like I get anxious I I still look at planes kind of strange that are flying over the city and it, it's funny that that's stuck with me but after that um, we, I went through the Holland Tunnel and I got myself home I grabbed a sandwich came home took a little bit of a nap and now I'm just um now I'm booking meetings so some really cool stuff um, I was contacted by an agency um, wanting to talk to me about my career and they saw the film and they're really excited and I don't know if this is for management or for booking agent stuff but that's that's on the horizon that's happening tomorrow I'm excited um, my website stuff I have a meeting on Monday and on Tuesday I'm doing my album art which is exciting so tomorrow I'm picking up a friend of mine a friend who worked on the Rise film with me a cameraman and we are going to uh, we're going to shoot more videos. So, ooh, I don't even want to tell you how many videos I have, but I'm just quietly working away, directing little features over here, and they're all going to be for you guys. I'm a, I want to apologize to you because my nose sounds like uh, it's, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> they're absolutely, I'm just stuffed up. I know I sound a little congested, but it's that what it is is when you ride on a motorcycle, all the air quality, the smog, um, on a molecular level, so many things are flying in your face. And after I do a long ride, my nose is also often just really clogged up and it's like, oof. Anyways, I'm also sitting down here in my little office and it's, it, I would say it's it's not far from, from musky, moldy, basement-y smells of a house that's 100 years old. So I'm sure there's other things going through my sinuses right now. Um, really interesting stuff, guys. I am really working my ass off and it feels really good. And something interesting that happens when you're working like this, when you're multitasking, is you sort of assess things quickly, intuitively. I worked with a friend of mine in Spain and he and I had some stumbles. Um, I had a bit of a vision and I flew there to work on that vision and it was very, 
It's very interesting to work with somebody and just intuitively know, oof, this one's going to be hard. And then there's other people that, you know, I have a friend of mine flying in tomorrow. I've barely spoken with him. We've texted a little bit and I just know it's going to come together great. Think in life when you have those people, those gardens that you ha- you, you you have to water minimally and they yield like beautiful foliage and they make you happy. Like those are really valuable um, very valuable gardens to have around you in your life. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, tomorrow's my birthday and my brother Jim's birthday at midnight. We'll, uh, it will then turn to Eric and Todd Howe's birthday. And it's <laughs> kind of crazy that we all have a birthday within a minute of each other, but that's essentially where we got our band name. And, uh, I mean, on the 12th is the anniversary of my my brother passing away, and I had asked my sister if she could send me some photos because I don't choose to... I think it was just my track record of holding on to things because I've moved so much in my life. Uh, It's just always seemed smarter to give it to my big sister to hold on for me. So she has all the pictures, and uh, this is the 10-year anniversary of him passing away, and I, she sent me you know, not a ton, maybe five pictures. And she, but she did send me some letters that he sent me um, when he was in prison and some pictures. And it really hit me, man. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't cry a lot. I wish I could cry more. You know, I really, it just seems like that geyser, like that those tears just don't make it from the inside all the way out all the time. I'm always thankful when they do, but man, I had a, whew, like a, like heaving sobs, really deep sobs. And I just couldn't get past the fact that like, I just know that he was suffering. And I think that there's, thank God, like nobody on the outside civilian world has to really know what it's like to be in prison. But I when I went there to visit him, and it's frightening, man. It's not like they paint things in pretty colors. Everything you can imagine is drab. Like doorknobs, drab, doors, drab, sink, drab, ceilings, drab. Like the most unimaginative, terrible after-school program you were ever in or daycare you were ever in or detention at the the headmaster or the principal's office like that like to the nth degree is is played down and is drab and beige and um no photos of anything anywhere just hopelessness and i started thinking about it and it started spiraling just how cruel that was and how mistreated he, I was, and how mis, um, how mistreated he was, and I know it's terrible, but um, they were horrible to me, man. Like I had, so this happened on the twelfth. Our birthday's on the fifteenth. I know it's small potatoes, and who cares? But at the time, ten years ago, I was living hand to mouth, and I had sent my brother like two hundred dollars for his birthday, you know, and he died. Um, he died. So I talked to him a couple days before and I'd sent him some Christmas, or sorry, some birthday money and he died two days later and, um, I wanted his belongings and I remember just 
you know, when I went to the prison to get his stuff and, you know, they just gave me like, God, I think they gave me a pair of slippers, a pair of underwear. It was so cold. It was like in this clear bag and they had me his wristband that they'd probably cut off him. And I was like, okay, can I, this is uncomfortable, but can you please like empty his commissary and give it to me? His, I guess his like allowance or his account that I put money in like five days ago. And they just were like, no, we don't do that. (laughs) So I was sitting there thinking like, well, then what do I do? So among other reasons, I, I tried to get in touch with the prison for multiple reasons. And literally they got to the point where they just hung up on me. And it was just so savage. I, and I wrote a story the other day about vulnerable populations. And I see, um, like in the gay community, gay and trans community, um, I was I was explaining the story that I wrote that, you know, hey, it's hard to imagine like mental health awareness becoming like a central theme in bringing this struggle to light. But, you know, once upon a time, not long ago, um, it wasn't really okay to be a lesbian. It was a, you want to do that in the periphery, out of sight, where no one can ever find out. You keep it quiet. Then you can function as a teacher or a, you know, a coach or a veterinarian or whatever it is. Like, you just keep that out of people's sight. That was basically the tone when I grew up. And now we've got, like, in the Women's World Cup, like, people outwardly having relationships. And I know this isn't recent. This goes back to the 60s. Uh, Billie Jean King was helpful in bringing awareness to, like, uh, women's causes. And this has been going on since, uh, well, probably the suffragettes in the, the the teens and the during you know around the first world war but that wasn't a that was about women's equality not like a sexual preference so this is like gay rights and it finally happened like we're it's out in the open and this is normal and our heroes are now gay and that's amazing so if we could go from the shadows of even in 20 years um like since i've been in high school i can imagine that like i hope that mental illness can be brought to light and I don't know it's funny like the, you know you, you think about famous people and these people have platforms it is so beautiful when people use that platform to try to bring awareness and I, I appreciate Robert Redford and I appreciate Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio talking about climate change but seriously like I, I get the planet I get it but like, what about in, on street corners of America, in diners of America, um, on tractors riding through the cutting grass in America? What about like pe- literally people, real people that are suffering? And I don't think you can go, at least where I'm from, California, the most populous state in the entire country. I don't think you can ride around in a car in my state and not see a homeless person. It, there are scores of homeless people. And um, it's very interesting. I think capitalism is a is an interesting thing. It's like capitalizing people wanting to make a better life, rolling up their sleeves, figuring out how to get it done, putting in hard work, and you should be able to secure yourself a, a decent life. But if you're able-bodied and able-minded, like what happens if you're handicapped? Like what happens then? 
I see able-bodied people having a difficult time just securing a retirement plan um, with benefits. God help you if you're bipolar or schizophrenic. So I don't, I never thought I was, <laughs> I, I guess I did use my platform to talk about some of these things. Um, and I admit I put on the brakes a little bit during the first record. I, I started feeling a little exploited by it and I wanted it to keep its power and be potent as a very real thing. And people were sort of, I don't know, the less experienced journalists were kind of going for the blood and guts and I could tell right away and I was very turned off by that. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, again, losing uh, Scott Hutchison last year, it just brings it to light. And so I'm just kind of recovering from a storm in the past few days that I had my brother's anniversary. It's been a decade. How did I do? I had to face myself in a mirror. Like, how did I do in the past like 10 years of trying to bring awareness? Uh, I'm sure I comforted some people. Um, it gave my heart comfort. I guess the thing that I'm proud of is there's always more I could do. But I, and and, and that's, I, I guess I'm doing this because a lot of my, it's sort of like interesting how you have a catchphrase that will make you begin, make you to be, uh, make you begin crying. So I had this catchphrase and it's just, I kept saying like, I could have done more. Like I could have done more. I could have done more. I could have done more. And then whoosh, just tears. And I guess me here today saying this is like me trying to kind of add balance to it. Like we... It wasn't just me. It was Eric, Rob, and me. Those guys supporting me in it. But we got the name James out into the world. And and and, and that got out to our fan base and American Civil Liberties Union and Prison Voices and um, NPR and a lot of publications. Um, and... I'm very proud that, that his name got out there. And then Todd, of course, the work's still ongoing. It's getting out and I can't tell you the type of um, messages I get. I'll tell you that when I, I wrote a story just called Jay the other day on the anniversary of his death, I received amazing, amazing feedback and some very startling feedback. Other people, um, other people have suffered and some unfortunately very recently uh, suicides. And I think many of us, like I've always said, it's a very kind of untalked about thing, but I think everybody has mental illness in their families somewhere. So anyways, I love you guys. I, I hope, I hope it, some of your, some of your pain can be eased on the, on that topic. It's, oof. Very difficult. It's it's terrible to lose somebody. It's also terrible to live with somebody being alive that isn't getting better. That's that's what really came back. I was thinking about weird thing about sharing a birthday with your sibling is um, Jim and I have the same birthday. It's like it's not your birthday. It's it's your jo jointly your birthday. It's it's uh, you are you're always sharing things, and it's just weird. When, when he was like locked up, it was, uh, I couldn't enjoy anything to the fullest. I might get up to a, out of 10, I'd get to a 9.5 and that other little 
0.5% would just be like, uh, this is, this New Year's isn't that great. Um, or this Christmas, I can't imagine what it's like in there for him. Or this amazing pasta dinner, or this view, or this show that I'm playing, or this cool album art that I made. It just always was a little shy of fulfilled. Um, and, you know, I guess that's what siblings and people do for each other. Um, just, like, instinctively, just looking out for each other. So, I'm sorry to be... I'm sorry to go on a heavy one this this week, but um, it has been a heavy week. <laughs> so um, I think in our community, Gaz had a birthday this week. Um, I'd like to send a shout out to my friend Naomi, pre-Pela. Um, I was in a band with Eric, a friend of mine, Chris. My friend Brian has the same birthday as me, so happy birthday to Brian. Happy birthday to Eric. Happy birthday to Todd. Happy birthday to Eric's wife, Diana. Uh, this month. And lastly, happy birthday, Jim. I love you, buddy. Um, and that's it, guys. Motorcycles, working my butt off and getting together some really beautiful art for you and celebrating life. Uh, I will see you very soon. Wish me luck on Monday and tomorrow with my meeting and my camera stuff and my filming. Okay, that's all. Have a wonderful week. And I'll be thinking of you and checking in. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from Red Hook. The trail is dark and dusty. The road is kind of rough. My good road is wedded. Boys, it ain't far off.
for fear, trade.